now. I'll just make sure I'm like a statue. I don't move at all. Wouldn't that be interesting? You just get a mannequin of me and just put there. So, let's say praise the Lord again. This time, where's, I hope that baby's there. Is he ready? Okay. Praise the Lord. Oh, no, 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 no. Elder Len asked us the question and he said, do we love the Lord? Are we singing for the Lord? Are we telling him that we love the Lord? And we had to sing. So if I say praise the Lord, I should get hallelujah. So are there any babies still sleeping? No. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll take advantage of that because I'm using the mic. That's why my voice is like that. Otherwise, I'm very soft-spoken. We thank the Lord on a very beautiful day that he is here with us and his love, his peace, his grace, his mercies are forever and ever and ever appreciated. Without him, who would we be? If not for him, we don't know where we will be. So it's all by his grace and by his mercy. So we should just thank him. No matter the circumstance, no matter what it might be like within your life, within my life, the most important thing is for us to say, Father, I thank you. Even if it's something that we are walking somewhere or we're just less busy doing nothing and just that moment that you can have if it's out loud or even inside you and just say father i just thank you it is really great let us pray heavenly father i thank you because the love that you have given us I thank you because you have given us the grace to come under a building to worship, to praise your name, to hear your voice, to receive from you. Jesus Christ calls his disciples together and they had a last supper. At that moment, they enjoyed themselves, they spoke, and Jesus expressed wisdom upon them. Father, we just thank you that we can come together to hear from you. Lord, we just pray that you open our hearts and our minds to receive from you and to accept your grace and your word in wisdom and in love and in unity in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that whatever comes out of my mouth, be that which you want your people and myself as well to know and understand and receive in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We are going to be looking at the book of Judges, chapter 7. Book of Judges, chapter 7, from verse 1. Book of Judges, chapter 7, from verse 1. Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 7 from verse 1. Then Jerubal, which is the name for Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, 
so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. Two, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people, are with, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is afraid or fearful, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and, let, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you. The same shall go with you, and of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Seven. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Praise the Lord. I don't know if some of us know <coughs> this story. But just before this story, Gideon has been somebody who just loves getting in contact with God or the Lord. Now, the theme for this message, you can call it whatever you want to at the end. But personally, I just look at it as the Lord has delivered. The Lord has delivered. The Greek story talks about 300. There is a movie about it. How just 300 men attacked thousands of people and they won. Like I said, there is a movie about it. But the question is, how do we as Christians look at this situation with our lives? Look at this situation in reality? Look at this situation with whatever comes our way. The issue here was that the Israelites were about to go to war and Gideon was the head of the army. He was kind of scared even though the Lord told Gideon I will give these people, deliver them into your hands. 
But what did Gideon do? Before seven, he tested God. He tested God. How many of us sometimes, when God tells you something, you still don't believe? You want to clarify. You just want to clarify. I do it sometimes. It has happened to me before. There was somebody back home when I was in church and the Lord said, go and touch that person and pray for the person. I was, I think I was around 22 and I looked at myself and I said, what? Me? Touch him, pray for him and he'll be healed? I said, no chance. But I kept testing God. Okay, Lord, if you are the one that said it, let the man turn around and look at me. It didn't take long. From nowhere, the man just turned around, looked at me, and waved. Oh, brilliant. And there's something about me one such thing starts happening. It feels like from my feet, I start getting warmed up. It's like the whole of my body starts getting warm up. I don't know about you. And I still didn't want to do it. I threw another test. I said, Lord, if it's really you, really, really you, let something make me and this man come in contact. It took a while that it happened. And I was feeling, yes. But just before the service ended, I was doing something else, and the man just came and brushed by me. And out of just suddenly, I just turned. And I saw him. I didn't know what to say. But I had to do it. Gideon was like that man as well. And some of us have gone through that process. In this case, what did Gideon do? He took like a wool or a towel, we'll call it, you know, and put it outside. And he said, Lord, if it is true you've given the Midianites and the Amalekites to me, let that towel or the wool outside get wet. And once it's wet and all around it is dry, then I know it's you. The next morning it came, that wool was wet, all around the place was dry. He now said, okay, yeah, you've spoken, but I want to do it one more time. Let the wool be dry and let all around it be wet. The next day, he looked and the same thing happened. You know, while I was reading this, I asked myself, what will, you know, the Lord be thinking? I have told you this, and you are testing me. Is it that you don't believe what I am telling you? Or is it that you are afraid to do what I am telling you to do? What is it? Not until the test was done before Gideon picked up his men, 32,000 of them, and said, let's go to war. But take note, the people they are going to fight are almost 135,000. 
and they are 32,000. No matter what it is, as Christians, when you face challenges ahead of you, and even you have the word of God tells you that you should do it, what sinks into your mind in the first instance if you're not a real born again, is doubt. And out of that doubt will create fear. We have been in that situation where we test God sometimes. I personally don't think it's bad it's not. But it's just how you do it. Especially when it is vividly made clear to you. I wrote something here that No Christian can stand before God and say he has not done the test before God most of the times when you encounter things like that. Do you know that upon all the promises the Lord has given us, which I think we have over 3,500 promises in the scripture, some of them are given with conditions. Some of them are freely given. The issue here is how can Gideon recognize that it was God or the Lord that was speaking to him? He had to do those tests to clarify his mind. Now, look at the whole thing this way. God has felt somehow because he, he looked at Gideon and Gideon had said, you promised that you're going to give these people, deliver them in my hands. But Gideon, God had to prove to Gideon that it is not by your might. So don't think, because I said I'll give them to you, therefore, you're going to say it is you that did it. In Ezekiel 4, I mean, sorry, in Zechariah 4, 6, it says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And when we look at Judges 7, 2 to 3, the Lord said this to Gideon. The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. That means they will claim it that it's by their power they defeated the Midianites. But instead, this is what God did. He told him, he said, now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, that is, announce it to them. Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart from the mountain of Gilead. So, which means 
amongst all the 32,000 he brought, there were so many of them that were afraid of what they are going to encounter. Now, it beats my mind that when Gideon announced this to all his men, and he starts seeing them one after the other, leaving, leaving, not just one, not two, not three, the Bible says 22,000. And that leaves him with how many? Just 10,000 against 135,000. What would he be thinking? Let's bring this down to what we see today. There are times when we are preparing for something and actually what we are preparing for is so big, elaborate, but in actual sense, God just wants what? Your heart. He just wants your belief. Nothing else. I was in a church once and somebody was saying that it's not the number of times you come to church that matters. It's not. But it's what is in here. It's what is in here. If you come to church and you just want to do it like a ceremony, you just want to tick the attendance box that I was in church, I tell people there is no point you coming to church. Let's face facts. When you're coming to church, come to church because you're coming to church to meet with your maker. You're coming to church to encounter him. You're coming to church to express yourself, to thank the Lord, to prove to him that I am here once more, to say, Lord, I thank you for the past. I'm here today for the future. I have come to receive from you. I have come to share and praise your name because without you, I don't know where I would have been. But if you think you are coming to church, just, here I am. Hello, I've not seen you seven days ago. How are you? How's the family? Hope all is well. Yeah, yeah. And then everything, the praise and worship just comes in, goes out. The word of God comes in, flies out. And at the end of it all, okay, see you next Sunday. Bye. And that's it. Let's face facts. What's the benefit? There isn't any benefit. We, as Christians, there are always battles ahead of us. Sometimes it is coming to church, refilling ourselves, and going out there that builds us up. There are times when battles, we encounter battles that we know quite well, we cannot even, we feel naturally we cannot overcome. It is right there staring you in your face. Like someone who wakes up in the morning and knows that his or her landlord is coming to collect the money for the rent and he hasn't got any. Or a father that wakes up in the morning and knows that that is the only meal they have for that morning and he doesn't know what's going to happen in the evening. The child doesn't care. All the child knows is that he's going to eat in the evening. A man who loses his job 
Early in the morning, he wakes up, and he dresses up, and he goes out. And actually, he has no job. And then comes in the evening, and the wife asks him, how was work today? Oh, it's fine. Why shouldn't you, I, myself, be grateful for the battles he's fought for us? You go for an interview, and you might have over 500 people go for it, but they'll pick you. What makes you special? You have a business in the role of other businesses. But still, people walk into your office and do business with you. What makes you special? You're no different from the other businessman who is doing the same thing with you, other than the deliverance that you have received for the battle that the Lord has fought for you, which you do not see. Because if you see it, I wonder how some of us will feel. These are some of the mysteries of God which he cannot expose to us. But when you open your eyes, you now see how important how great it is for what the Lord is doing in our lives. In Proverbs 21 verse 31, Proverbs 21 verse 31, the horse is prepared for the day of the battle, but what? Deliverance is of the Lord. The battle is there before you. But what's the second part? He says, the deliverance is of the Lord. How do some of us struggle about things like this? He has promised us. Isaiah 42 verse 8. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to any other. My glory I will not give to any other. And that is what he wanted to prove to Gideon. To tell Gideon, it is not all about you. You can come with your 32,000 men, but I am telling you, with 300, you will overcome them. And exactly what the Lord was proving to Gideon. We have a similar thing like this in the scripture as well. This, I know we cannot read it now, but if you go to Second Chronicles chapter 20 and read all about this is Jehoshaphat. How he fought a battle. What was it all about? The Lord proved himself to him. Almost similar to this. The only difference in one aspect is that Jesus is trying to tell Gideon, that I am going to take my glory and I'm not going to share it with anybody. But in terms of Jehoshaphat, he's trying to tell Jehoshaphat what praise and worship can do to win a battle. Whether you like it or not, you are there and there's something ahead of you and bothering you. Sing praises to the Lord. Give God all the glory. Thank him for what he has done. Dance like David danced. And that is what Jehoshaphat did. 
and he gave them deliverance. But we're sticking to Gideon. The battle is of the Lord. As Christians, as children of God, no matter what you come across, if you always put this at the back of your mind, that the battle is of the Lord, it is important because of the promises he has for us in our lives. Let's not forget that. He has said it. I will not leave nor forsake you. Isn't that strong? He will not leave you, neither will he forsake you. If somebody can tell you that, you know, the Americans will say, I've got your back. Yeah, I've got your back. And that is clear. You can just walk out anywhere. And that's the way I feel when I feel someone telling me, oh, the devil is here to do this. What do you mean by the devil is here to do this? Because I know who is with me. I know how strong he is. And I know his promise upon my life. Who is he to speak when the Lord has not spoken? That's the question you ask yourself. Who wants to tell you that you are a failure when the Lord has not said you are a failure? And he cannot even say that because he's a winner man. Let me just make this clear that, you know, the battles I'm talking about is not just physical battles in real life here. Financial, emotional, spiritual, health-wise. These are the different battles and so more that we are facing. And as Christians, just know that you've got a target on your back because the devil will not leave you alone. But the question is, how long, how strong is your feet on the floor, on that rock, and who is that rock? Jesus Christ. How strong is your feet on that rock? How rooted are you? All these battles we keep coming in. The world is changing. I was driving down today and I was just listening on the radio coming to church and they were talking about Oh, what do you think about children being taught in primary school all these sexual things? At the age of six, seven, what do they know? They know nothing. And the moment you put that in their head, what happens? It's growing. Why do you have to do that? And they say, oh, because we want to make sure that they are prepared. What do you mean by they are prepared? You made them to start it. If you want to make them prepared, why don't you see them when they get to their teenage age? I knew I studied that when I was way into my secondary school. But it was simple, this, that, and that's it. But now you're bringing all sorts of things into it. 
LGBT. You have to teach them that. Oh, they don't know who they are. They don't know if they're, 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 they're a boy or they're a girl. What on earth is that? I'll tell you, go and wash your face, then look at that child and tell me if you can't tell if he's a male or a female. Where is the world turning into? Some people were saying, oh, because um, you see, they need to know that one or two Christians I had just came up and said, that is wrong, and it's wrong from wherever it's coming from. And before the guy could talk so much, they cut him off. So the moment you start giving them one scripture, oh, no, 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 you religious people have come again. The foundation of this world started from a scripture. Go and read Genesis 1 if you don't know. God created the heavens and the earth. People come up with stories that, you know what, I, I, I just can't believe this. I came out from a fish or something, or from there became a monkey, from there became this, and so on and so forth. Okay. Let's prove it. Get a monkey. Let me see how that monkey will turn to a human being. You see, it's good for us to know the scripture because when you don't know the scripture, they will so deceive you and make you to doubt everything about your existence. Every single thing about your existence. Let's go back to the text. You see, when we encounter things, especially things that challenges us, the first thing that comes to us, like I said, is doubt, fear, and then before you know what is happening, you've lost it straight away. The moment you have doubt and fear comes into you, you've just lost that battle. Forget it. But when you are positive, I can do this. I can do this. Then you will be able to overcome with the help of God. I've shared this story before where I went to a friend, you know. My dad was a military man. We have friends who they are, you know, our friends are within the circle of military kids. We call ourselves military children. And one of them just came, brought out, went to his dad's room, picked up his dad's pistol and was playing with it. And I told him, look, take it easy. Don't do that. Just like a joke. The next minute, he put in the magazine into the pistol. Come on, stop it now. You're not, this is no joke. That thing is live rounds. Don't play with it. It didn't take long. He felt, oh, we're joking, we're joking. Come on. The next thing, he cocked it. Now, I don't need, I don't need anybody to tell me anything. The moment he cocked it, if you tell me there is a door through this wall, I'll go through that door. But I need to tell you the truth. I didn't know when I scaled over their fence, and their fence was almost twice my height. It's a choice. Do I stay there and keep telling him, don't play with this, look, don't play with this, and then I'll hear he's got accidental discharge, boom. He was blank, no, no magazine, 
That went. That's test one. Two. Cocked it. No way. I'm not going to wait for three. Instantly. How I got out of that house, I cannot tell you. But my consciousness came when I was on the other side of the fence. When you are faced with things like that, I'll give an example with what we are looking at here. Would I have said, look, for the love of God, let me preach to you. You shouldn't know. This is somebody who I know very well. His brain has gone into a joking mood. And me talking about God right there and then is just not going to solve the issue. But what has come over me? Doubt, fear, and the next thing is to leave that environment. The issue is this. When we are doing things, no matter what it is, we should make sure that we focus on exactly what will Jesus do in such situation. If you've got a victory, Praise the Lord. Thank him. Because if God can make something easy for every one of us here, we wouldn't be here. Let's face facts. If everything comes so easy, so simple, so light for every one of us, we would not be here. I've said before, I have a cousin whose father was a minister, the moment the father died, he said, well, that's all for church the rest of my life. I don't know where he is, but I just pray that he's got the covering of the grace of the father upon him. Let me just make it quickly. Jesus, I mean, the Lord has spoken to Gideon. These people are too many. Let me go and test them. Those who use their hands and drink, select them aside. Those who just bend their head, go down straight to the river or lake and drink, put them aside. What was God doing there? When you have a battle before you, be conscious of your environment. Those who were drinking like this, their heads and their eyes were looking around. But those who were drinking, like the Bible said, a dog with their tongue, they were not looking. Be vigilant of the vices of the enemy. As Christians, we should always be conscious. And that was just the sign of how the Lord picked out the 300. Because he knew that they were conscious of their environment as they were drinking. But the others weren't. If you are not conscious, if you don't know who you are battling with, if you don't know what is going to happen suddenly, then you'll be knocked out. And you start wondering, where did that come from? But the issue is, how do you know? How do you know? What is coming before you? How do you know what you should do? How do you recognize that you're fighting a battle? Because sometimes some battles are not things you can see. Because the Bible tells us that we wrestle against what? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and 
if they were to be flesh and blood, you will see them, wouldn't you? But because you can't see them, that is why when it comes, before you know it, oh dear, it's already there. But we have to mitigate it. In Isaiah 59:19, he says, "So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and His glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against them." When we are in a battle, which is all the time as Christians, we need to be vigilant. The 300 were vigilant. So also we should be concerning the tricks of the devil. In doubts, in fears, in lies, in security, in failures, in possibilities. That means telling you that you can't do it. And telling you that you're nobody. That you will never make it. And all those things. They are all lies. But you see, in the scripture, we had somebody who, by chance, missed that. If you go and read the books of, if you go and read Samson, the story of Samson. And as Christians, and as a church, and as a family, we should not let our guards down. Those men, the 300, never let their guards down. In conclusion, we should not underestimate the Lord. And when he speaks, we should always listen. Because he knows it all. He knows it all. We are the apples of God's eyes. He has promised us in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have an everlasting life. You can read Proverbs 3.5, where he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your understanding. He who sees all things knows all things, and that is the Lord. Jeremiah 39:18 For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a price tag to you, because you have put your trust in me says the Lord. If you put your trust in the Lord, he will save you. Don't take, don't take pride in what the Lord does to you or has delivered you from, but instead give him the glory. Not you taking the glory. We have read that. You see, I'm just bringing this before us. Sunday school helps us. We learn a lot. There are things I may not know, but when we come into Sunday school and we, you know, share the word, we end up getting to understand it. The scripture is just like a gift you get, a big gift, and you unwrap it. You unwrap it and unwrap it and wrap it and you get to the very end. Somebody wraps it up again and then gives it to you. The way you unwrapped it the first time will be different from the way you wrap it, unwrap it again the second time. That I can assure you. Because of the way that person has wrapped the different packaging on top of the other. 
So that is how the scripture is. It opens up every time new for every one of us. If you know the scripture, it helps us against these battles that we are going to face. And that is what I want us to understand. If anything, if anything, Acts 2.21, what did he say? He just tells us that if anybody calls him by his name and he recognizes you as that, you recognize him as that, in Acts 2, verse 21, this is just the last bit, he tells us and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When the battle comes, call on the name of the Lord. Give him all the glory. Recognize him as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He has promised us that we will always be victorious. That is his promise. But our bit is for us to recognize all glory belongs to him. All glory belongs to him. There is no way, apart from saying this in the scripture, there is no way, I will say 300 people can overcome 135,000 people. There is no chance. Even if they all pounce on them at one go, there is no chance. But they had the victory. And the Lord will give us victory in whatever ever circumstance we find ourselves in Jesus name Amen. Amen Thank you Lord